PDPW On Demand. Here's Bill Baker. Welcome to the PDPW Weekly Podcast, where this week we're joined by Holly Green, global management consultant, award-winning speaker, and best-selling author with The Human Factor, Inc. And this week, Holly shares why experiencing adverse conditions can help rearrange or rewire our brains for the better. In this week's podcast titled, Why We Need Adversity. If you are feeling like everything is out of control, like you can't imagine a successful future right now, like the wheels keep falling off the bus over and over again, like the other shoe is about to drop, welcome to the new now. These are unquestionably tough times. And when the going gets tough, the tough get going. It's an old cliche. And like most cliches, there's a lot of truth behind it. In this case, it means that winners don't let adversity sidetrack them from achieving their goals. Instead, they learn from the situation, adapt their strategies, behaviors, and ways of thinking, and forge ahead. You know, adversity is not fun to go through, but a growing body of research suggests that it is essential for bringing out the best in ourselves and in others to become all that we can be. In fact, adversity is important for all types of life. Without it, species would not evolve and would be unable to survive changes in their environments. In 1991, a group of scientists launched a unique experiment called Biosphere 2. It involved sealing eight people inside an airtight dome covering three areas in Oracle, Arizona. Its purpose? To conduct research on the new science of biospherics, the study of closed systems that mimic Earth's environment. The goal was to study how a mini biosphere with climates ranging from a rainforest and grassy savanna to a desert, saltwater marshland, and a coral reef in a 150-foot ocean would work with minimal contact from the outside world. The scientists learned many lessons during their time in Biosphere 2, many of which have been applied to today's ecological challenges. Perhaps the most important was the recognition that everything in nature plays a critical role. If even one element goes missing from the environment, it can have a major impact on all who live in it. For example, the trees planted in the biosphere grew well up to a point. Then the limbs began to break off and the trees collapsed. The problem turned out to be the lack of wind inside the artificial environment. You see, in nature, winds literally change the cell structure of trees, so they develop the ability to withstand strong winds and other adverse conditions. Without this stress, the trees don't develop the internal structure to be strong and flexible at the same time. So as business leaders, why in the heck do we need the wind blowing on us or any other force that can cause such reactions of anxiety, fear, or even frustration as many of us are experiencing? Because without the testing of our abilities, we don't grow in ways we and our organizations need to survive. Even if we don't want it, exposure to adversity can create the resilience we need to lead others in a constantly and rapidly changing world. It can teach us to cope with what is to come and make us stronger as human beings and as leaders. 
Whether we turn adversity into an ally instead of a foe depends on how we respond to it. The human brain prefers certainty over the unknown. We like what we already know, and we tend to travel the same well-worn mental pathways unless we really have a big nudge to our brain. So when adversity hits, our brain wants to stick with what it knows rather than explore uncharted territory. This can easily cause us and our organizations to get stuck in the past or ignore key indicators. When that occurs, we set ourselves and others up to fail and the world can quickly leave us behind. Typically in unexpected change, we go through various phases as individuals, starting with shock. A sudden upsetting or surprising event or experience that happens and we think, what is this? Then we move into denial. We look for evidence it's not true or it won't affect me individually. This can't be true. We then move to frustration or anger. Things are different, unfamiliar. I don't like it. Here's why it won't work. We then move on to depression or a lack of energy. We withdraw, we disconnect. I'm just gonna check out and wait. I don't really have to engage with this. Finally, assuming we get through those phases, we move to acceptance and we begin to experiment. We consider new ways of working, new ways of thinking, new ideas. I'm gonna think about this in a positive way and consider how it can work or the best we can do. Finally, assuming we get through all these cycles of unexpected change, we move to integration. We work with the new parameters or situation, we become more positive. I'm gonna do this now to move forward. Now, here's what's really interesting about us darn adult humans. Each of these phases can take a moment or they can take hours, days, even months to traverse. What is interesting is that the phases are linear. You have to travel through each one of these phases to finally get to integration. It may only take you a few seconds, but getting through the first ones as quickly as possible is crucial to shifting to a positive mindset go forward. Here's what we're going through today though. Many of us are getting caught in the loop of shock, denial, frustration, and depression as wave after wave of change and uncertainty keeps tossing us back to the beginning of this unexpected change cycle. So we're just almost in a whirlpool of all of the negative emotions and reactions and thought processes we have to unexpected change. The key is first recognize where you are in these cycles when change happens and help others to recognize where they might be in the phases as well. It doesn't help to tell people just get over it, just move on. We each have our own methods and ways and timing for moving through these cycles. To further complicate all of this, our brain does not like voids of information. And in the absence of data, our brain quickly makes stuff up. <laughs> you can imagine the other words we might use in that phrase. We MSU. And 90% of the information we MSU is much more negative than the truth. In fact, many behavioral scientists believe it's approximately 90% more likely to be negative than to be positive when we fill in the blanks. And particularly during these recent chaotic times, 
where data and information and guidance from quote experts is changing rapidly, including contradictory information, this becomes really challenging for us. So our brain just fills in the blanks. So I want you to think about what you are thinking about. Without objective awareness, these signals of distress trigger survival behavior. Once we move into survival behavior, we lose the ability to pause, think, and focus. We go into instinctual fight or flight, which typically, unless we're truly in an emergency, does not serve us well. So the key to really healthy thunks is being aware of our emotions, what phase we are in, while feeding our brain logic and whatever data we can get regarding the change. You want to constantly connect your inner and your outer worlds, what you are thinking internally and feeling with data and logic. This is known as metacognition. It's something the most successful leaders in the world practice with intention. It is not intuitive to the adult human to do this. Fortunately, we can overcome this getting stuck tendency through a process called neuroplasticity. We have the ability to reorganize our brain by forming new neural connections and pathways throughout our lives. Neuroplasticity gives us the ability to change and adapt to new circumstances based on experiences and new learning. By thinking differently, we can literally rearrange or rewire our brains. Winning in today's world requires flexible organizations and flexible leaders that can respond quickly and appropriately to sudden shifts in our external world. But the human brain did not evolve to operate in a world defined by constant change and uncertainty. That's part of why our brain seeks certainty, or at least we believe that's part of why it does. Our brain prefers to hold on to what has worked in the past and stay with what we know. We are wired to stick with that, and we often ignore actively information that contradicts our deeply held assumptions and beliefs. This definitely does not serve us well when we're faced with rapidly changing conditions and the globe is being disrupted continuously. Fortunately, our brains are remarkable and when we visit and use them, we can adapt. We can physically reorganize pathways and create new connections between neurons. In some cases, we also believe you can even create brand new neurons. So according to scientists, there are two types of brain neuroplasticity. There's functional neuroplasticity, which moves functions from a damaged area of the brain to a healthy area. There's also structural plasticity, which actually changes the brain's physical construct, um, construction or structure as a result of learning. It is the second skill that holds the key to developing what I like to call an elite mindset someone who's capable of performing well in adverse circumstances. So how does the brain do this structural neuroplasticity? Well, fascinatingly enough, it's by thinking. Whether it's a positive or negative change depends on what you focus your thoughts on. And you do have the ability to make that decision most moments of most days. The human brain works by sending chemical message from one synapsis to another. 
This process builds a bridge between the two synapses so electrical or chemical signals carrying information can travel between the neurons. Every time this charge get triggers, the synapses grow closer together, creating this pathway that makes it more likely the thought will get triggered again. This ability to create these new pathways is the key to effective leadership today. It takes dedication and focus, though, to develop new thinking habits. It can be done as long as we apply the critical ingredients of time and intention. So, Start with prompting yourself to change perspective. You're thinking about what you're thinking about, so prompt yourself to change perspective. It is important for us to keep in mind that change is external. It's an event, either anticipated or unanticipated, chosen or imposed from somewhere else. But transition is internal. That's our reaction to the change, how we alter our own behavior and our perspective to come to terms with it. So you choose, sometimes you don't even realize it, how you react and what you focus on. Humans are wired to share emotional cues. So you can choose to see the possibilities or why everything is bad and wrong. And importantly, you have a significant influence on whether or not others do the same. Remember, we're wired to share those emotional cues. If I'm around sad people all the time, suddenly I become sad as well. It helps us, by the way, it helps us to have empathy for others, um, but it also gets in the way a good bit of the time. So one of the things you want to be thinking about when you're thinking about what you're thinking about is to beware of what's called cognitive fusion. And this happens a lot when we're on unexpected change where we believe every single thought we don't distinguish between our thoughts that are opinions or our thoughts that are interpretation or our thoughts that are speculation. Those thoughts become facts in our mind, which then leads us to rumination where we worry about the same thing over and over again. We're not going to make it through this. There's no way this is going to work out. I'm not smart enough, good enough. All of those things your brain interprets as facts. So sometimes you have to remind yourself that what you're thinking or hearing is neither true nor false. It's just a thought. Our brain doesn't distinguish well though between what's factual, anecdotal, opinion, speculation, or completely fabricated. It processes it, it all of it as a fact. This is why self-talk is so incredibly important, by the way. Our language is powerful, whether it's internal or external, it's powerful in determining our future. It dictates what we look for to prove ourselves right, and it prompts our brain. So choose to look at the positive and poke your brain with questions periodically to do that. I'm going to give you some examples of those prompts in just a moment. As leaders, our job is to get and stay focused on winning and help others do the same. When we let distraction and adversity control how we spend our time, we build neural pathways that don't support winning. When we focus our thoughts on the goals and strategies that lead us to winning or to success, there are few limits on what we can achieve. This requires building time into each day to keep us focused on the task at hand. Once a month, focus. The beginning of each month, I want you to carve out 15 minutes of uninterrupted time to create a list of what success looks like to you in the next 30 days. Keep the list where you can see it every single day 
because if you glance at it for as little as 15 seconds a day, it will help build the pathways in your brain that keep you focused on the task you have identified as an imperative to success. Start your day with focus. Take three minutes first thing to think about your day and ask yourself of what I'm going to do today, what will get me, the organization, my team closer to success. And then organize your day around those tasks and activities that move you closer to your goals. Eliminate those that clutter your time and attention by delegating, deferring, or dumping. Throughout the day, focus. No matter how well you focus in the morning, once the onslaught of daily interruptions begins, it can be a challenge to stay on track. Learn how to create just a little bit of alone time when people are not allowed to interrupt you. Developing these habits requires thinking differently. Thinking differently will create new pathways in your brain that lead to increased focus and winning results. This one is also a challenge based on our instinctual responses because in unexpected change, our instinct is to kick into those instant reactions. Creating new pathways for dealing with adversity requires the intentional thinking and time. The more we slow down just enough to prompt our brain to think in different ways, the more mental pathways we create that provide us options and alternatives in our future thinking. When going through adversity, most of us get stuck in the problem. We replay the conundrum over and over. We get stuck in that frustration, anger, shock, denial, or any of a number of negative reactions. When we're able to just take one breath and explore some possibilities before we react, unless we're truly faced with an urgent safety issue, of course, we're often able to react more effectively and intentionally by choosing which pathway to travel. These possibility pathways give us choices, including potential solutions. And when we couple this pause by poking our brain, as mentioned earlier, we open up more positive alternatives. So think positive. I said I'd give you some positive brain prompts earlier. Here are a few that you can easily apply. What can I learn from this? What is the most important thing to take away as a lesson? What's the silver lining? What good can I find? What is possible for today? Who might benefit from this? How can we figure this out? What have I learned about myself? How can I help others? Be flexible. Explore alternative ways of defining the problem. Our expectations determine how we perceive life. So seek out the ideas and opinions of others even when they differ from yours. Pause and consider what you do know, even if it's only small, simple things. Get clear, get crystal clear on what is clear. That brings your brain a small sense of comfort. Define winning, again, for, even, for as much detail as you can for whatever time frame you can. Get organized. Develop some structured approaches for processing information. Um, establish some clear decision criteria and triggers. When this happens, we'll do that. If this happens, we'll do that. That helps you again start kind of pre-thinking and creating some of those pathways. When you get yourself organized, you set up frameworks for thinking through options and that way you have them when those frameworks are needed and you can process more quickly and efficiently. Be decisive. Instead of letting adversity dictate your course of action, face it head on. Take timely actions. Don't delay because you don't have all the information. Even if you take small steps, it will serve you well. 
One of my favorite General George Patton quotes is, a good plan violently executed right now is far better than a perfect plan executed next week. Stay focused on winning. Maintain that view of what you want to achieve and constantly communicate. Constantly communicate, communicate, communicate. You will feel like you have communicated much more than necessary, but do it anyway. Remember, in a void of information, we all make stuff up. As fairly severe winds are blowing, consider whether your organization will lose its limb and collapse, or whether you will have the cellular structure to withstand adversity and become stronger than before. As the leader, it's your job to model the right ways of thinking and acting so that your company and you can thrive. Our thanks to Holly Green, Global Management Consultant, award-winning speaker, and best-selling author with The Human Factor, Inc., for sharing this week's experience on why we need adversity. And our thanks to you for continuing to listen and support these PDPW weekly podcasts. Until next time, have a great week. More details at pdpw.org.